Okay, well, so good to be with you this morning. My name is Darren, and I serve as the pastor here of our church, Ironworks in Phoenixville. I'm going to be reading from James' Gospel, uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. So if you're following along, you can do that um, either on the slides or in a Bible in front of you. Would you listen now with open ears as I read these words uh, from the book that we love? My brothers, show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones, rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder, If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this time and we sit under these words, and Lord, I recognize that now more than ever, uh, we do come from all kinds of different places. Uh, Lord, for some of us, uh, our hearts are festive. For others of us, our hearts are heavy. For some of us, uh, we are in a a good place in our lives. We are gainfully employed. Our, Our families are healthy. Our children are enjoying the summer. Lord, for others of us, things are quite different. Uh, For some of us, our lives uh, feel like a complete wreck. And Lord, I recognize further that some of us are here and we do believe in you and have believed in you for a long time. We're looking to the words that have just been read for direction, for correction, for uh, hope, uh, in order to change. But Lord, others of us hear these words and we wonder if they're true, real, if they'll have any bearing on the the parts of our lives that we're most concerned about. We wonder uh, what it is uh, that might be at work in our, our lives this day. So Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in, whether we are here uh, in a season of, of good things or in a season of bad things, Lord, whether we are here uh, with much faith in you or with many doubts about you, I pray that you would give us grace to see that in the way that matters the most, that we all ultimately come the same. We all have an overwhelming and an unrelenting need to hear from you, to know you, to be changed by you. 
and pray that you would open our eyes and give us grace to see how you have addressed this need in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, so good to be with you all. Uh, nice to see some of your faces. <laughs> Most of you, it's nice to see your eyes. I do want to say that, um, generally speaking, I don't enjoy wearing a mask, but I will say that um, I've gotten a number of compliments when I do wear one because they say, Darren, I'm around you and your breath doesn't stink. This is so unusual. Um, otherwise, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm part of this elite club of people who wear their emotions on their sleeves. So now if I want to have a hard conversation with someone, I'm just like, look, you know, guess what I'm thinking. And I embody our former pastor, Stan Gale, who you never could tell what he was thinking. <laughs> So there are some, you know, if you, if you don't like wearing a mask, maybe I could suggest some fringe benefits of such things, right? And I even heard from one person that they were spiking their mask with essential oils <laughs> and um, <clears throat> did not ask if those were purchased legally or not. I do not want to know. You do that on your own time. Don't have, don't bring me into it. Okay, but they were, they were happier than usual, I would say that. Right? They, were, they were feeling good and they were hungry. Um, they, had the, they had the munchies. So, I don't know, you tell me what's going on. <laughs> All right, guys, um, it's good to be with you. I can see that you're laughing through, through this. Uh, here's what's gonna, going on today. You'll notice that we are not looking at uh, the books of Joshua or Judges right? But we're going to be talking about something related to those books because the topic is not judges, but it's judging, okay? Not judges. Pastor Sam has been doing a great job of that. It's judging, right? Uh, one of my favorite topics in all of the scriptures is this topic of judging. And I want to set this up for you in this way. Uh, I was reflecting on uh, when Ironworks was started, Right? When we were started back, uh, I would say 2011, but really this, this whole idea start, started back even prior to that uh, as Olson couple at that time sat on my porch drinking beers and dreaming about what would it look like to have a church for Phoenixville. And uh, as we talked about that, <clears throat> uh, central to that vision at that time, and, and I think has continued to be the case, is that we wanted to be an uncommon community that brought uh, people from different backgrounds, different styles, different tastes together, right, to be servants of Phoenixville, right? So, you know, for example, some of, we wanted to be a place where, you know, you might be someone who, you know, is, is very passionate uh, for social issues. You're very skeptical of corporations, for example, right? Um, you believe very strongly in the role of large government, right? We wanted you to say, this is a church for you. This is a church where we say, you know, we're passionate about social justice. We're passionate uh, about uh, the cry of the poor, hearing their cry and responding as the church. On the other hand, some of you are saying, look, I'm passionate about social justice, but I think the government has no business being in that, in that world, that that's the job of the church, Right? I'm, skeptical of, I'm skeptical of big government because I think it's only served to uh, harm, the harm the cause of the poor. And to that, I say, you know what? We want to be a church for you. We want to be a place 
for you, that you feel welcome. And more than that, we want to see you do something that is becoming increasingly unusual in our country right now, and that is we want to see you become like family to others who are different from you, right? We want to see you become family, not just, you know, tolerate, but family, right? Where you meet together in home groups and you pray together and you celebrate each other's uh, joys and you bear one another's sorrows, right? That was the vision, right? We also wanted to see this um, in terms of having a variety of ethnic backgrounds, right? Preferences, right? We wanted, uh, you know, if you are a fan of Apple computers and you hate Apple computers, we wanted you to love each other, right? While those who hate Apple computers are, do repent over time. Okay, just kidding, right? Um, actually not kidding, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so we wanted you to, we wanted this to be a family, right? Uh, we do, we do desire this to be a place and we've not done a, a good job to be obvious, uh, at being a place where uh, we, we are growing to understand uh, folks from different ethnic backgrounds, right, where we show greater hospitality to folks uh, who, who come from different parts of the world or who have different experiences, and it's something that I'm interested in working on, right? That's been the vision of this church, and it remains to be the vision, and something I want to grow uh, more in, and I want to see you grow more in. I will tell you, though, on some, on some points, uh, the political point, as an example, I have seen this happen. I have seen folks who, who I described earlier in some very broad terms, I have seen folks from different, very different political perspectives actually describe themselves as family with others. I've seen that happen. Where both people would say that one of my closest friends is this way. Right? And I've seen it not just in one occasion, but actually in multiple occasions. Right? And I think that we're in a time in our, uh, in our world where those friendships are being tested. Right? We're also in a time in our world where there is what I would describe as an awakening right, to distinctions that some of us are, have not even really been aware of. Right, and particularly what I'm what I'm making reference to are uh, the distinctions that people of color have been feeling as they simply go about their lives. Right, you know, there's uh, obviously since uh, the, the the murder of George Floyd, there's been massive conversation, massive discussion around topics of race, uh, and there's so much material to wade through. Uh, but what I'll tell you, what I'd like to try and do to for you today is to be helpful for you in thinking through what God is saying about all of these issues, because I do think that the root of all of these things uh, is found in this passage under this heading of making distinctions and showing partiality. Uh, regarding uh, regarding uh, this issue of race, a friend of mine wrote this uh, paragraph that I found to be very helpful and has been my experience as well. She says this, she says, I have been struck by how many black leaders have been speaking publicly about their own experiences with race, often for the first time. Dean Marcus Cole, Condoleezza Rice, General C.Q. Brown, Lieutenant General Vincent Stewart. Right? She also linked to Colin Powell in her post. And she said, I've been struck by how many of my black friends are telling stories about their experiences 
with discrimination and racism in school, at work, on the street, from the casual slight to horrifying violations that never came up before. Now, all the years we have been friends or serving on boards or litigating together, she's a lawyer, some of them might never or rarely have said anything. Now they are writing on Facebook, confiding in me with more private encounters. It occurs to me that it's not as though they haven't been having the experiences that they are sharing now all along. There's just space to share it. There's just space to say it. And I will tell you that that is 100% uh, compatible with my ex personal experience with my friends of color, right? That as I have uh, talked with them and listened to them before George Floyd, I have heard that they all have had experiences that I, that I would suggest to you, right, if you, you know, if you heard these experiences, you would feel anger, right? Or, or to use my more common vernacular, like you'd be pissed off if you heard these stories. If you said, wow, you know, I, if I was treated that way, I would feel angry, right? They describe, uh, one person describes being afraid for her son to go out at night walking in a white neighborhood, right, with a hoodie on. She, she would forbid him to do that, right, because she's afraid. Um, others describe uh, always feeling um, focused in on when police are around, right? Whether that's true or not, that is, that is their experience, how they feel. Um, others uh, describe being talked down to, for example, uh, in stores, trying to make a purchase and being skeptical. Are, do you even deserve to be here? Do you even have money for these kinds of things, right? So, you know, these are uh, experiences that I've uh, heard of. I've heard of worse as well. Um, but what's happening now is that there's an awakening in our culture where folks who haven't been aware that this is the normal life of a person uh, who happens to have a certain color skin, right? This is the normal life that they experience. And there's an awakening now, and there's a question of, well, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we move forward? And um, I believe that for the most part that social media... Um, has been unhelpful in this regard, right? I think in some ways it has been helpful. You know, it certainly brought some awareness to some things. But on the other hand, when it comes to bringing people together, right, dealing with these distinctions that exist, I think for the most part in my personal analysis, at least in, in my own side of the uh, cyberverse here, I think that it's been profoundly unhelpful. Right? It's only served to actually bring a divide. Um, and the advice given has been mostly, uh, again, from my judgment, uh, negative. So what I want to do is I don't, I don't pretend that this uh, short time that we'll be looking at the scriptures will be comprehensive to you in thinking through how might I assist, assist our community, right, Phoenixville, how might I... Uh, be a force of moving forward in issues of race, or how might I be helpful in moving forward with others who think different from me politically, etc., right? I believe and hope that this uh, short time in the scriptures will be helpful to you in some degree. We will be sending out some resources, by the way, on race that we are finding helpful. We've been asked for resources. We have some that we are, do think are helpful, um, so look out for that email later this week. I'm going to be looking at the passage under the, these three headings, partiality and Christianity, the heart of judging, and then the way forward. 
the bulk of my time will be spent on the second point. So number one, partiality in Christianity. The main point of this passage in verse one is that showing partiality right, is incompatible with Christian faith. To show partiality, and the example in the passage uh, is giving preferential treatment to someone who appears wealthy, right? Someone comes in, they appear wealthy, and you give them the seat up front. Now, I know for you, you're sitting here scratching your head saying, the last place at church I want to sit is up front, right? Unless you're this elite crew of staff members and Ryan. What is up with Ryan? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> we are trying to figure that out, right? Unless you're part of this elite crew of staff and Ryan, right, and Dick, always up front, you want to sit in the back. Apparently, this was not always the case in the church, okay? <laughs> At one point in the church's history, the best seats were up front. Somewhere that changed along the way, I don't know. But that's where it was back then, and so the ushers would uh, show Folks who were dressed uh, with signs of wealth would show them the front of the seats. And what James says here uh, in, cha- in verse 1 is he says, Show no partiality as you hold faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And at the most basic level, what he's saying is that to show partiality, meaning to make these distinctions or to do clicks, Right? Or to say, I'm not going to uh, be close to you because you're different than me in some way. He says to do that is at the most basic, fundamental level, completely incompatible with faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Why, why, why is it incom- incompatible with faith in Jesus Christ? Well, at the most basic level, it's incompatible with the faith that said that Jesus looked at you in all of your sinfulness, and all of the ways that you failed, and all of the, the things that you haven't done, and all of the ways that you've contributed to problems, and all of the ways that you haven't done the things that he's called you to do, and all the ways that you've even participated, right, to a degree, in the sins that he bore on the cross. He looked at all those things and he said, I'm going to give you the best seat in the church, namely my own. He said, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you a seat at the table, and the cost is not simply going to be a moment of my time, but it's going to cost me everything. And so to be a Christian, to hold faith in Jesus Christ, and then to look at a human being and say, I'm going to, I'm going to show partiality to you, is absolutely at the most basic fundamental level, completely incompatible with faith in Jesus Christ. There makes no sense to confess faith in Christ and to act like that. That's the first point. Partiality in Christianity is completely incompatible. Second point uh, is unpacking what does it mean to show partiality, and that's where I want to spend the bulk of our time. And I've titled this point, The Heart of Judging. You see, when you show partiality, right, when you treat someone differently on the basis of, you know, any uh, outward or even inward uh, reality, right? If you say, wow, you agree with me about uh, this virus, so I'm going to, you know, move closer to you in friendship. Or if you say, you know, you look like me, so I'm going to, you know, try to be friends with you and, and work to understand you and all this, right? Where you might act differently uh, in other cases. What you're doing is you're making a judgment. You are acting as a judge. And I will tell you that, you know, living in this passage for this last week has been actually really helpful to me 
because it's brought out realities that I actually have been unaware of in my own life. What this passage is saying is that all the time, right, there you hold court, right? Every single one of you, 24 hours a day, you always hold court, right? You sit on a bench, you have a gavel, and you make decisions that are called judgments, right? You judge all the time things, right? Uh, is this restaurant worthy of my money? Uh, do I want to say hello to this person? What do I think about this, right? And that's, that's not bad. That's okay, right? It's okay to, uh, we, we, we can't go through life without making judgments and decisions. And, and I'll often actually utter the words, in my judgment, blank, and then I'll tell you how I arrived at a certain decision, right? And he says here, when you show partiality, he said that you become judges with evil thoughts. That's verse 4. He says, when you do this, when you show partiality, you are becoming a judge with an evil thought. What does he mean by that? Well, we've heard stories of places in the world where the last thing you would ever want to do, ever, is to be on trial for any crime whatsoever, right? The last place, last thing you'd want to do, last place you'd want to be is, is in some of these countries and be on trial, right? Why? Because it's not fair. The trial, the trial doesn't really weigh evidence, doesn't allow for proper cross-examination. You know, when you might see the judge after uh, the trial, you might notice that he or she is hanging out with the prosecutor, you know, having beers and prosecutors buying him cars and you know, all sorts of things, and you might question, am I going to get a fair shake? Is, the, is justice and truth actually going to happen in this case? You know, you've heard, we've heard stories from Syria, from Afghanistan, places like that, where I can tell you the last thing that you would ever want to do is be sitting under one of these judges, right, where they hold the keys to your future, and then the punishments are uh, absolutely incredible, right? Well, what James is saying is that when you show partiality, this, I want you to just be really clear about this. He's saying, you are that kangaroo court. You are that judge. You sit on the throne and you write people off. You judge them not worthy of your time and affection, right? And you do so uh, for reasons like outward appearance, Right, or preferences that in the end don't really matter that much. He says, when you do that, you become like these judges. You are a kangaroo court. You know, and it's interesting, um, thinking uh, back to the issue of race in America, one of, the, one of the phenomenon that has had me particularly concerned on social media, there's a lot that has me concerned on social media, by the way, um, but I feel like a pastor, I have to, I have to look at it. You know, it's like, you don't want to, but you just have to. Can't look away. Um, anyway, but one of the things that, it would, that I have particular concern about is, you know, you'll see folks who are posting saying, look, we have to move forward. We have to uh, reject racism. We have to reject making these distinctions. We have to uh, argue for justice and move forward. And I'm saying, yes, amen, 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 amen. And then the next post, for example 
will be participating in something called cancel culture. Does everyone know what cancel culture is? Right? Cancel culture is where you leverage a social media mob to basically get someone fired. Okay? That's how it works, right? Maybe it'll happen for me today. I don't know. Maybe I won't see you next week. I'll be retired. <laughs> um, did, thought did cross my mind. Um, I would say that you'll find me in Mexico, but Mexico is sadly closed at the moment, so I don't know where I'll be. But I will leave information with our staff. <laughs> but anyway, in cancel culture, you basically leverage a mob to get someone fired or to get, you know, uh, in some cases, you know, like we're canceling the police now, we're defunding the police in, in major cities and all this kind of thing. But there was an example that really gripped my soul, um, a man named Emmanuel Cafferty, right? Emmanuel Cafferty was truck driver for a utility, and he was videoed uh, making, uh, and I'm not going to do it, but he was making some kind of a, a sign that uh, apparently is a sign that you give another person to say that you believe in white power. Okay, right? It's also a sign that I've made preaching and I just learned about this today, right? Like we call it, you know, I do these things with my fingers and I had no idea until I read this that, okay, so I, that's apparently, there are certain configurations with your fingers that you don't want to make. And the, there was a video taken of him holding his hand out his window, driving along, making some kind of a sign, supposedly, uh, and cancel culture was able to get this man fired, right? He has done interviews, and he said, look, I had never heard of this sign. I'm half Mexican. How can I believe in white power? I don't know. Maybe you can. I don't know the rules for all these things. And I will tell you, friends, that um, in, in reviewing uh, what I've learned about this particular instance, uh, I have no idea whether this man believes in white power or not. Okay? I have no idea. Um, but I do think that we should take him at his word. He says he doesn't, right? Never heard of it. I, I don't know. But my point is this, if you share, right, if you share this video, for example, and you are demanding that this man lose his job, right, I just want to tell you, from the Scripture's perspective, you are a judge with evil thoughts, right? And you will have to answer to God for what happened. If, if, if this man does not deserve to lose his job, just say, for example, let's suppose that he, you know, had no idea what he was doing, that that's the truth, and you participate in this, then you're guilty, you're guilty of what happens to that man, right? And that, to me, is, again, part of what I think is um, really unhealthy about what's going on, particularly around social media, is that, you know, and this is the way Satan works, by the way. This is, this is his, out of his playbook. Satan does not have a large playbook. It's very small, right? This is what he does. He gets you to condemn something that ought to be condemned, and then in the next breath, you participate in the same thing. That's how it works. I've done it, right? You know, no more distinctions, no more judging people on wrong things. And then next post, five minutes later, this man needs to be fired. Even though there's been no cross-examination, there's been no presenting of evidence, there's been no case to weigh an investigation. It's just, no, I have all the information. I am the kangaroo court, right? And it's deeply sinful, so that's where we find ourselves, and so friends, I think that as we are grappling with these cultures and our culture, um, I think that God is at work in my reflection on this. God is at work to bring the voices of our uh, brothers and sisters of color in ways that I think ought to, we ought to listen very deeply to, right? 
When you, when you hear that folks that you're friends with, right, or, or folks even you don't know, that they go about their lives just ordinarily enduring all kinds of things that, would, that I, I assure you, if you hurt, you would feel pissed off. You would feel angry. You would feel rage at. That they just go about their lives in this way. There's now an awakening to this reality, and we as Christians have the opportunity to advance the cause of justice, right? But as you do that, resist the temptation of the evil one, right, to go in the wrong direction. It's interesting, in James chapter 3, the next passage, he'll talk about the tongue, and he'll talk about using it um, in this way. He'll say, look, on one second you're praising, on the other second you're cursing. It's really weird how that works. But then he'll say in verse 15 of chapter 3, this wisdom is not the wisdom from above. Guess where it comes from? Earthly, demonic. He says this, this kind of thing has demonic origins, right? So, how do we move forward? Well, uh, I think that the best counsel is given in verse 10. Uh, look with me, if you would, there in James chapter 2, verse 10. He says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So how do we move forward? What's the point? Uh, where ought we to go from here? Well, I think that in all of these things, the way forward is the same way forward that it's always been, right? He says, what's this whole point in saying, you know, God said not to commit adultery. He also said not to murder, you know. What, what, how does that even relate to any of these things? Well, he says, if you are guilty of one part of breaking the law, then you're guilty of all of it, right? What's the takeaway from that? What does that mean for you? Does it mean for each and every one of you, right? Even these cute kids. Answer, you're guilty, right? Answer before God's court which is not a kangaroo court, which is based on perfect knowledge, perfect understanding, all kinds of cross-examination, all kinds of things. He looks at each and every one of you and he says, you're guilty. You are a sinner. You deserve judgment. And then what does he do next? Jesus Christ stands up and he says, I'll take that judgment. I'll take it. I'll absorb it. I'll do the time. I'll bear the weight. I'll take it all on myself. And what's left over? Answer, you're no longer judged by that law, but you're judged by what this passage calls the law of liberty. Right? You're judged as a sinner under the law of liberty, which means what? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. How far has he separated our sins from us? As far as the east is from the west. Has he separated our transgressions from us? Though we sin all day long, though we fail to do all that we should do, he looks at us and says, saved, not condemned, 
brought in close. And that's called being judged by the law of liberty. And so the way forward, this passage says, is this. Verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. What does that mean? Answer, speak like those who have been saved by grace. See someone different than you? See someone making different decisions than you? See someone who thinks differently about the virus than you? You see someone who has different ethnic background than you, right? So speak and act as those saved by grace. Show kindness. Show patience, right? Show humility. Do more listening, right? Don't let these divisions divide you. That is the uh, activity of Satan. It's not from God. It's not going to end well. But we have here at this table uh, judgment with mercy. We have judgment with mercy. We have the judgment of Christ on our behalf. And all that's left over for you is mercy. So I love you. And uh, the Lord loves you. And he invites you to come to his table as sinners. And he gives you mercy without judgment. Let me pray.